0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast, I'm your host Jonathan and this is DCI number 102. Today we are talking to Chris Haig who is the sole developer behind Hyperspace Pinball, which is a a pinball game that's almost like a a pinball game meets Geometry Wars. There's combos, there's flippers, there's tilting, and there's mini-bosses. You've got the best of both worlds. If you want to find out more about Hyperspace Pinball, then head on over to darkstation.com. There you can find links in the show notes to this episode. You can also find out other interviews, previews, reviews, all kinds of views there on darkstation.com. Follow us on Twitter, darkstation underscore com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and send us an email at podcast at darkstation.com. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Now on with the show. Tonight. How are you doing? I
1: am doing excellent. Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing well.
0: Doing well. Had some chicken tenders for uh, for dinner. You know, super healthy, man. Yeah, you know, just fried chicken. It's
2: great. That's that's healthy. That works. Yeah, it <laughs> it's got protein. It, it yes. is.
0: It is, and there were some French fries in there too. So you know, Good. got got vegetables and carbs all in one. So I I don't know why it could be better. That's, uh, it's multitasking right there. That's right. That's, uh... Well, anyway, Chris, we are here to talk about Hyperspace Pinball. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do.
1: All right. Uh, well, I'm uh, actually a part-time game developer and a full-time medical software developer. I've been, work- I've been doing games in my I've been programming since I was five years old. Uh, on the old Atari machines, uh, my father was a programmer, and I liked seeing the stuff that he did. And I wanted to take do that stuff myself. And it was there it was a, such a neat toy because you actually told the toy what to do, and it would do it. Uh, and it wasn't until I was about twelve that I actually got into game development. It's just kind of a casual uh, project every you know every few weeks. I'd switch it up to another project and learn this and that, and uh, just kind of all casual, all for fun. Um, and I didn't actually get do any real serious projects until it was about uh, 2000 um, when I got this idea for a game called Dominoes, which was a physics puzzle, 3D physics puzzle game. Mm-hmm. So it was 2000, give or take a few months, I think. And so I worked on that for um, oh about nine years and realized that uh, in that time I fell for the trap of uh, feature creep. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I wasn't writing a game as much as I was writing an engine. And I finally realized, Ah. well, it's time to stop. And, um, you know, just just don't put any more work into it. Go to Game Developer Conference and see what you want to do. And so I went to GDC 2010 and uh, met some people. And they looked at it. I showed the game to them. And they're like, you know, it's it's really impressive. But, uh, you know, these days that's really more of a mobile game. You should look into using Unity to develop that. So I thought, well, I agree with them, and my engine writing days are mostly over, but you know, I'll, I'll do a tweak here and there, but uh, for the large part, um, I'm happier actually developing the game. So then at that point, I started uh, working on Unity projects, and sure enough, I was cranking games out a lot more quickly uh, than that. All the while, I was working, well, I'd say from 1997, uh, even to present day, I do have a full-time job developing medical software, so the game development has always been a hobby. Mm-hmm. um and uh, pinball actually was my second uh, released unity game. It came after my first one uh, called Tilts. It was a mobile physics game where you just guide them falling marbles into a barrel and I wanted to do something that was a little higher fidelity and also um, more entertaining. so I, I did HyperSpace pinball for iOS first. Uh, it did uh, I'd say okay I mean it, it got good rating, but it hardly any downloads. Then ultimately I kind of got it onto the uh Android platform as well. And then also on DeSira for a while. On DeSira was interesting. I at first when I released it there were hardly any downloads. Um and for all this time I was never really good at marketing and I I'm still pretty lacking in that department, but I'm learning. Uh so I decided to do a free weekend and that got a lot of attention. Um but I still didn't couldn't maintain the download count. So um and I Forget exactly when it was compared to the DeSera release, but uh, when Greenlight first became a thing, you know, everyone was posting everything on it. Uh, I was one of those who posted it early on, and then that was two and a half years ago. And then this past this February of this year, I got an email from uh, Valve saying, Congratulations, your game's been greenlit. So wow. Yeah, I spent the next, uh, <laughs> so I spent the following months furiously uh, giving it a big facelift because I mean it was passable as a mobile game back when I released it, and it didn't translate into a PC graphics very well, and it just needed a big makeover. So I worked on that with help from uh, Meta 3D Studios. They're one of the. Um, um, studios that I contract artwork out for. Um, I, I, Gamian uh, is kind of my studio and I do all the work on it. Um, but it is shared by um, an uh, investor who kind of quietly monitors things as we go. And so I'm pretty much work alone except for when uh, I'm contracting out music or, or uh, art and so on. So they so meta 3d helped me out there uh, noviPR helped do a marketing overview I told them I'm not good at marketing and they, they said yeah you're right uh, so here's a bunch <laughs> of stuff that we, that will help you so they helped me there and so I redid the whole website and um, just went over Facebook Twitter and all that and really tried to start build a following after that and um, so that that really became successful once I did beta key giveaways um, that started uh, a couple that started weeks ago um, since I'm such I'm a one person studio so I don't really have a QA so to speak and I learned over the years that I'm not my I'm my worst QA I need other people to test and give me feedback so the beta testers I gave free keys to and they were very helpful getting feedback on the game hmm. uh, so um, yeah and then kind of fast forward to now there's still some lingering issues I'm, I'm working with someone right now who the game's running slow and laggy for them, so I'm trying to figure out why it is and not for most other people. Um, but I, my philosophy is, I mean, it's going to be slow for this guy, but it's going to be slow for 100 other people, and I want to fix it if I can. Um, so that's sort of how things got to be in a nutshell. I, I glazed over a lot of my other ca- casual projects and just other things that went on between then and now. But, yeah, that's that's sort of the short of it. Awesome.
0: Awesome. So, so you put... Um, you put... Uh, hyperspace on green lights when green light launched is that
1: yeah that 's about okay. right um i didn 't do much marketing i I just kind of put the you know posts on IndieDB.com dot com and sure. maybe a mention on uh, here and there but that 's really all i did and but when I looked at the competition i mean there there are games that um that you know, full time studios or, or indies with several other um, people just working together, good friends working together, and they were just coming up with an amazing gameplay amazing graphics amazing everything and i thought well how can i compete with that um so i kind of start stopped really trying to get it greenlit and plus i like to move down to other projects i mean it was already out for mobile and desera and i wanted to just uh, kind of go on other projects but uh and i and mostly did until again february when it's out of the blue i got the email from valve very cool very cool
0: um so did you go to to school for programming or
1: um it was mostly uh well, it started with my father teaching me, and then from okay. there I was self taught until my first official class in high school, and I pretty much knew the material for the entire curriculum when I walked in the door so i so for like they would go in two week projects and I'd finish it in the first day and'd spend the rest of the time either playing games or helping other people with their projects. Uh, then in college, you went to the University of Dayton, um, and I took the required co- co- programming courses there. Um, a lot of it was just old hat I remembered, and I, the classes were so boring they were frustrating sometimes because I already knew a lot of the material. But I, I stuck at it because I wanted to learn things that I may have missed along the way on my own with my own education. And sure enough, kind of concepts like linked lists and um, other things that that pertain to programming I I never heard of before so uh, it was very enlightening uh, to kind of pick up those missed things mm-hmm. um, and then and my senior year <laughs> um, I had a net computer networking class and uh, I was actually working on a a network game based on the movie Tron with light cycles and I showed I was able to demonstrate it to the class and I actually finished it partly using their labs and I released it and then i and then i think it was blues news or, or another press outlet got a hold of, of the release i think i told a friend who posted it to their forums and the next thing i know the game was getting all kinds of downloads from from everywhere being hosted on my on the university website you know all the students got their own and i was hosting one and people were downloading it and so i graduated having left my legacy of a huge spike in uh, upstream for the university <laughs>
0: So that was kind of cool. <laughs> great.
1: Um, so, yeah, mostly self-taught, but, um, yeah, I've had some classes too.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so so what kind of uh, medical software
1: do you make? Uh, it's patient patient tracking software. Um, okay. Basically, me and, and um, about 20 developers total-ish, um, we all work on software where, basically, if you walk into a dermatologist's office, you know, for the first time, and you're at the receptionist desk and they ask you for your information chances are they're using our software Uh, patient tracking um, scheduling uh, inventory uh, reporting um, billing and you wouldn't believe the 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 complexity of those systems Um, sure sure and yeah when i started working there i I didn't know this uh, structured query language and i didn't know a lot of things i'd say that uh, the company is named next tech i'd say the the um, that was really my first real learning experience in programming. There's and there's so much more than just knowing the code. It, it, it's uh, working with teams. It's uh, organizing your projects. It's working with customers and so many things. And then that was the um, real. That was far more educational than anything I'd experienced before.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Now, now you said it's it's just you um, that that's making the game. I assume you do some some different co- contracting work. You mentioned kind of. Outsourcing some of the, the visuals and stuff like
1: that. Yes. Uh, cool.
0: What about the music? Who? Um, I
1: usually I usually buy them from Auto, Audio Jungle. Okay. Um, I used at, at first I worked with um, I, I think this was uh, the early uh, mobile version of Hyperspace Pinball, and even before that, I would work with um, uh, musicians, composers, to who would make custom music for me. Well, then one day I found Audio Jungle and it's a website where you can purchase pre-made music. And I thought, oh, I like this, because I I can hear the whole thing um, in advance, and if I like it, I'll I'll buy it. Um, Though, the key to that is, if you buy a song from there, um, and it turns out you need more music for your game, then you need to usually stick with the same artists or those with very, very similar works. Uh, Because if you have a lot of different genres of music or different styles of even the similar music, then it can... Um, not bring the game to its potential. I think. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely understand. Sure.
2: That. So you're on. So so as far as like programming stuff goes, you're on basically the Bioware track. You're making uh, like you know medical software, and then from there you go on to <laughs> award
1: winning, um, like huge game releases, right? <laughs> well, I haven't won any more. Well, <laughs> I guess the only, I guess I did make. Well, I was like one of the apps of the month on. Uh, I think it was Soft Delicious. I f- I forget the name of of the. A publisher was, but um, yeah, I haven't really gotten any major awards or anything like that, um, that, like that I can tout, or any Game of the Year editions, or anything like that. Um, I released f- uh, four games, and um, th- none of the well, the mobile version of Pinball got 100,000 downloads over time, um, but I'd say, I mean, beyond that, that's no, no real recognition. Uh, that was well, I will go ahead and put well. you up for
2: <laughs> most explosions in a Pinball
1: game. Yeah, definitely tried. Well, yeah, it took me months to uh, get those explosions to keep to not pull the frame rate down to zero on the Android device.
0: Um,
1: but I, I managed to get it just good enough to to get out there, and I had quality settings and for that. So
0: nice, nice. Well, Chris, um, I guess in a nutshell, uh, what is hyperspace pinball?
1: Uh, it's a mix of... of it, I would say it's an it's a arcade shooter with pinball controls. Um, and basically, you, 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 you play with... You got the flippers and, you're, and you got the ball and it's bouncing around the screen. Only, rather than the focus being on getting loops and jackpots, there's actually a goal, and that is to destroy the aliens that appear and bounce around the play field. Um, and if you can knock out so many in, in a given level... Then a portal opens up and you advance to the next level if you can get the ball in there, and you repeat that for about twenty, you know, about twenty levels, and then you, you. And every few levels you have a boss encounter. So instead of just being an alien bouncing around, it's actually one that tries to interact with you or one that uh, takes more hits to destroy, um, and so on, and things like that. So um, yeah, there's a boss. Yeah, I think there's four bosses in the in the campaign, uh, and also there is a um, if you're if you want to try to go outside the campaign there are two modes of play in addition to that one being a boss run where there are um i believe eight bosses that you can take on individually and destroy and and not just um uh wireframe bosses where you're always trying to destroy it but one of them is actually uh, an enemy pinball and you're competing in the same space to get the most points first so, they really, try to oh. come up with some creative ideas. Another one is kind of like Galaga, but you're you're playing it with pinball controls. Another one is like Breakout with pinball controls, and then the third I one. I think I
2: did. Uh, what was it? Uh, like the one with the
1: caterpillar? Yeah, that one. That's a, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a tough one. Um, but my philosophy is, if I could defeat it, then it's probably good enough for release, even if people get frustrated about it. And the <laughs> thing the thing is, I try to. I, I know at first uh, time players. It can be difficult um, because the ball seems to go down to center a lot. Um, and, you know, you just... pinball isn't a huge popular genre right now. Um, so, but I figured... Oh, I'd like to leave it this way and kind of get people to earn their way up to the higher levels. There have hmm. been a few beta testers made it all the way to the end fairly quickly. I don't know how they did it, but they did. How, how um,
0: quickly is, is fairly quickly? What, you oh, know?
1: let's see. I don't know how fast it took them. I, I'm guessing... Um, Oh, I'd say the, the way the game goes, it have to be at least 15 minutes at minimum to get to the final boss. Probably more like 20, I think, okay. uh, to get that far. So, And I made it so that the earlier levels go by quicker, because it can be frustrating to get deep into the game and then lose, and then start all over again and spend another hour just trying to get back to level 10. So the progression gets gets more difficult as you go. Oh, and the third method of play was just uh, endurance mode. You only get one ball, and just to see how many kills before you lose it, and that's it. Nice, nice.
0: Yeah, I I noticed like there was kind of a a weird thing going on in my brain when I'm playing pinball, and it's instead of like racking up points, it's it's racking up kills, and it's just like, what, what am I doing?
1: This is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I had a, I had like a. Uh, uh, ten or twelve hit combo. I was like, "What? What's going on here? This is interesting."
1: Yeah, sometimes they all just get in position, and, and you get those combos. And I mm-hmm. uh, made it so that if that with the higher combos, you have an increased chance of, of um the uh, slow motion uh boom time. And uh, in addition to that, um, in that endurance mode, after every ten kills, the the, the uh, game speed increases very slightly. So if you can get to like level, you know, get fifty or sixty kills, then you'll you'll notice the ball going faster and the enemy's going faster, so... And I don't think there's a limit to the... Well, I think there is a limit, but it, it's pretty high up there, so... Uh, yeah, that's kind of added a little fun to the mix.
0: Um, I'm apparently not very good at pinball, because I never noticed that. <laughs> well,
1: it's, again, it's a very gradual increase. You don't, you may not notice it until 40 or 50 kills later, It's uh, very slightly, but sure. it's there.
0: Now, is that across the game, or is that just in the endurance mode?
1: Just no, just endurance.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I I think I, I think my highest was like 25 kills before dying in that. So I yeah, definitely wouldn't have noticed.
1: My personal I think was I think it was 70 something or maybe almost 80, but the game was oh, wow. it went so fast. And that was before I adjusted it down the speed down because it, it when I got to 80 when I was testing it, I had the speed at like 150% and I couldn't even control anything. So I so I decided to tone it down a bit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's... I like that it follows the yep. personal <laughs> philosophy that if you can't do it it
2: probably shouldn't go out. that's good I like it.
1: yeah, but I think I'm, I've been playing it you know through testing and, and such you know since you know even since the mobile development days so I'm, I'm kind of used to it. Um, but yeah there's there's gonna be a learning curve there but once you get over it, um, you'll either blast through the game like some of the testers did or you, you'll just maybe not but um, hoping that despite that style of playing it's still you know a fun experience after a while. Um, so there's there's replay. I guess there's only so much replayability in it, but also competing against other players and leaderboards, and getting the trading cards for it. Hmm. Sure.
0: What what's it been like kind of working with the the Steam API and uh, integrating all of that stuff?
1: Uh, it's fortunately it's been pretty straightforward. Um, the Unity Asset Store um, is usually the first place I go when I look for things I haven't done before. And there was a Unity, you know, uh, sorry, there was a Steam uh, add-on where I could, I could dump it in the project and say, you know, this will save you a lot of time. Just dump our stuff in your project and you're good to go after a few tweaks. And sure enough, they were right. It was very good, very good investment, and um, it didn't take long for me to get everything up and running. Um, So, as far as the uh, the the Steam portal, I mean, um, there was a learning curve at first, but then when I got used to it, then it, it became pretty easy to use. Okay. Very
0: cool. Now, now, where did the I guess the idea for a pinball shooter come from? How how did you how did you get there?
1: Well, I started. Well, I wanted my first few games to be as simple as possible. Um, and with that pinball, I was I was kind of thinking about what could what other game physics games could I make that could be fun and, and basic? And pinball came came to mind. And um, then like, okay, well, can I. You know, can I do more than just regular pinball? And um, I think at the time, um, one of the games I enjoyed playing was was called Echoes. Uh, it was it was a kind of a space shooter. It was uh, reminiscent of Geometry Wars. And I just kind of kind of started putting some ideas together. I'm like, well, why don't I do something like this? Uh, and it, and another influence I think was uh, the Metroid pinball. It was a very small part of it, but um, it, it probably just kind of subconsciously stuck with me. Um, I think that was before hyperspace pinball. Pretty sure it was. So those influences, I think, just kind of got me thinking about pin, the hyperspace pinball. And, and um, uh, as for um, art, I mean, I wasn't any good at art, so I, I wanted something simple. And the idea of vectors, like, like you know, glow, glow, glow frames, came to mind. I'm like, well, that's pretty simple. Uh, even I can do that. And as far as the backgrounds of the levels, I'm like, well, just do some space backgrounds. There's plenty of stock art on uh, turbosquid.com. And so I just went over there and just grabbed a bunch of it and, and uh, put it all together uh, until it finally looked right. Uh, I commissioned an artist, uh, Jeff Gordon, to model the initial table. And uh, I was kind of vague at the, spec, the specs for him. And uh, finally, he, he, the first delivery he gave to me, I'm like, that looks good. I'll take it. Because <laughs> it looked far, it looked light years better than what I had. It was like the the whole the whole table was wire, was wireframe, and it just didn't look good. So, but yeah, he he had the kind of this metallic theme going on, and then in the redo, you know, this year, I kind of took it to Meta 3D and said, "Here's what I got now. Let's make this kind of more futuristic and neat, nice neon looking, uh, maybe more along the lines of Tron." Uh, and so we managed to do that together.
0: Okay. So.
2: Nice very nice uh, is there any kind of like uh, like so obviously it's it's this kind of futuristic like shooter pinball um, is it, was there ever any kind of like story in your mind as far as, as what was going on here um, and, and what you're actually shooting or was it just this is like this is the pinball game that people play in the future?
1: Um, I never really had a story in mind other than just the generic, you know, save the galaxy. Here comes some aliens on the screen, go hit mm-hmm. them with the pinball. Um, yeah, I guess I, I was. Go smash! The, yeah, I was focused on the arcade aspect of it, and totally yeah, okay. In development, though, I mean, there was a lot of people who said, "So, what's the story behind it?" I'm like, "Uh, your pinball table is a spaceship, <laughs> and <the> aliens <laughs> are invading Earth, and like, okay." <laughs> so that's a yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: That's it, your pinball your pinball table being a spaceship though, I mean that's pretty that's pretty out there, so I, I would you you could work with that. That's uh, I, I just got done playing a game where the, the whole premise was you're you're trying to get back your car. So pinball spaceship totally works.
1: <laughs> Dude, where's my pinball? Oh, make me a Indeed
0: indeed. Pinball in space. Anyway. Um,
2: <laughs> that was a good pigs in space reference. I like Thank that, Jonathan.
0: You. Excellent. Thank you. Um, but so th- there's a lot of stuff that's that's going on in the game. You, you mentioned having to kind of balance a lot of stuff to, to make it not just crash phones. Uh, but more than just you know crash hardware, Like, how, how do you balance the craziness? You talked about having to ratchet down the, uh, the speed of the game, but how did you how did you kind of work with not making the game too crazy?
1: Uh, well, a lot of it um, I had to kind of figure out on my own, just my own playing experiences with it. Um, you know, just, just, There's really no one else kind of on the team. Uh, it wasn't really until it was uh, QA'd as, earlier, like in the mobile days um, by other mobile by uh, other uh, handheld users that I started getting my first real feedback from other people about it. And so I started with that, and I kind of went back and forth, and making it easier, and then a little bit harder than easier, and so on, just adjusting to um, the tester's feedback. And then um, for Desira, I honestly don't remember um, how that was tested. I think I largely just flicked the switch to change it from mobile to PC mode, made, uh, made uh, control adjustments, and then just put it out there uh, with with almost with very minimal QA, I, I believe. Um, and then for this version, um, I got QA in the form of give, of uh, giving out Steam beta keys. Um, and uh, so, but but after, now by that point, I already had, you know, some decent feedback, mostly largely from the mobile players and, and some friends of mine who played too. Um, and so I was able to take that, their feedback and make adjustments. I think since the initial beta, I, I think I've re, re, redid the gameplay for all the levels or so. Um, and I also went to a meetup. Uh, there was a game development meetup uh, in St. Petersburg, and um, I, met some, I met another developer there and we played each other's games and gave each other feedback. And, and he hinted, well, maybe you should make the first few levels um, not so hard so we can get to the leader levels more quickly. Um, and at least he didn't say it that way, but the way he explained it to me, I started forming the thoughts of that. And I, I basically, so then we got in sync with that thought and thought, well, yeah, that's that's actually a really good idea. And as for the rest of the levels, um, I just played them over and over again. Um, considering also the, the beta feedback and my own feedback, how many times did I lose a ball in this level? I didn't use any objective maths. I didn't do any math or charts to say I lose this many other than to say that you start with this many balls and... You want to make sure you have this many by the time you get to that level. So compare that with what I lost and either make it harder or easier. Either reduce the number of enemies or increase it. Make the enemies larger or smaller. Make them faster or slower. Um, Use different special enemies. Like some enemies you have to hit at a certain angle to destroy. And others actually will, will sort of chase you but also run away from you. And try to balance that, that out, and um, and also the and also the scoring. How many points should you generally have by the time you get to this level? Um, actually, that one of the first bugs I fixed was where the jackpots were so were a function of your current score, and they grew exponentially. So players were getting billions of points, and I had to fix that. So oh. I'd say it was a combination of the early <laughs> testing plus the beta testers who got free keys and just my own playing of it that sort of. Um, ironed out the gameplay. I do recommend, though, um, that uh, you know, other <laughs> developers you, you're better off trying to get someone playing the game with you as soon as it's playable, and to follow you along the whole the whole way. So, because um, it can be you can be it can be tricky. If I didn't have those beta testers helping me, it, it could have been been released very unbalanced. So that was kind of a almost a dangerous thing. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, I can see that you get inside kind of your own little like kind of creationist hole there and. Uh, without any uh, feedback on the outside, you're like, "Well, is this good? Is this not good? What What am I doing?" And and it may be easy to you, it may not be easy to somebody else. That that definitely sounds like sound advice. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, do you plan on taking any of the the changes that you've made for the PC version and kind of putting them back on the the mobile
1: version, or? I'd like to. It, I think it will depend on on how well it goes um, hmm. for the PC. Um, right At the moment, all of my Android games are down, uh, are off the store, because they're, they're built on an old version of Unity. And that was, I believe, they're all at least, at least two years old, I think. And so these newer phones don't work quite well with that old version of Unity. I've gotten random crash reports, and I sort of took you know, a page out of Blizzard's philosophy, and I thought, I can't have these games out if it's crashing on new devices, so I yanked them all off the store. Uh, The iOS versions, I haven't received those kind of crash reports. I haven't seen it. Then again, uh, I get far more downloads from Android than I do iOS. So the ones on iOS are just kind of hovering there. I mean, I get maybe a download or two a day or maybe a few more, but um, I figure, well, I'll need to update those as well um, with uh, Unity 5. So it's something I would like to do regardless, but if if the game... I'll need to give the PC version, I think, um, a lot of attention after, right after the release. Uh, there's going to sure. be a lot of bug reports and things like that. Once that starts to die down, um, hopefully it'll be a month or two, then I'll try to get those mobile versions all up to par with all the new graphics and all the new stuff and a different monetization model. My other weakness in addition to marketing is I can't sell stuff. Um, I never <laughs> designed my games around monetization and, and making money. So... Um, I need to kind of go back and see, right now it's a donation model. They used to be an ad-driven model, but nobody liked the ads. And they were actually harming the game performance, so I took them all out. And that left me with no recourse but to just do donations. And I did try um, having a full and a free version out. That didn't work out too well. Almost everyone got the free version, not many full conversions there. Um, So uh, I need to rethink what the model is going to be and one of the rules i I try to follow is once you get something for free you can't take it back in a future version Hmm. um so that might butt heads with the philosophy of actually trying to make any money off the game now i have gotten donation income but but very very little of it so um you know maybe in a year maybe not more than 100 200 so um so i need to revisit that monetization as well because i don't want to all the work of getting it up on mobile, only to find that um, you know nobody's gonna you know buy it, and, and it, I can't make a return on the uh, investment in time and, and money on my side.
0: Sure, sure. So sure, yeah, that's that's one of the the really difficult things, especially with like if you do a, a light version or a free version, yeah, you have to, you have to make that light version good enough that it doesn't make people mad, but theoretically you need to make it not like you need to have enough stuff behind the curtain. To that you don't just need to get the light version and you're totally fine with just that and don't want to upgrade.
1: Yeah. And um, and, and yeah. plus and, I, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of homework that I think I need to do on that. I mean some just who you're talking depending on who you talk to. Some people say freemium is the, is the way of the future forever other people say people are getting tired of it because of low quality games and they just want to pay for something once and and that looks good so we might be coming back full circle and really I I just don't have that instinct and uh, the knowledge to know how to do that so yeah I'll need to do a fair bit of research before I come up with a plan to put it back on the mobile stores not just that but all my mobile games uh, tilts hamster chase pinball and um, whatever I come up with after that
0: okay very cool
1: Very cool yeah so this is kind of like a
2: like hyperspace is really not only is it opening the future of, uh, of of shooter pinball but it is it's also kind of like a it helps you learn for the rest of the stuff that you've got going on
1: yeah uh, yeah the, every project's been a learning experience in its own way so this is re- yeah especially pinball it's the project that refuses to go away cuz uh, <laughs> i mean i, I was going to let sunset after iOS but then it, android support came out with unity and and the android market was growing quickly so i'd put it there and then i got a chance to dis- to distribute to sierra so i did that and finally just when i thought i was done with it forever then i get the downloads kept coming in for android um up until i took the time i took it down and then green light happened and um so yeah it's it fuses uh, refuses to go down without a fight. <laughs> Awesome. Well,
0: well. Hopefully, this is uh, is is a kind of a, a new beginning for you. It uh, yeah. sounds like it very well could be. So yeah,
1: I've really uh, for for a while I've wanted to have my own game on Steam to kind of walk with the big boys, um, sure. so the, the major indie indie developers, the AAAs and all that. And just I know that I know that uh, having a game on Steam is critical for a studio's life, uh, life and blood. But uh, to to me, it's just a huge privilege uh, to have just one game on Steam. Uh, after all the work, so I, I'm I'm still thrilled about it, and it's going to be a tough ride in the release because I'll get my first experience for <coughs> uh, feedback from the Steam players. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, that's that's gonna that uh, comes to the territory. And I'm looking for, and I'm looking forward to that.
2: That's awesome. very cool. It's good to have that yeah that yeah, that kind of uh, stuff to, to look forward to, to kind of push towards.
0: Hmm. Well, Brian, do you have any uh, more questions before we go into the end game?
2: Uh, no, no, I think we covered covered uh, Pinball pretty well. Uh, but if you're ready, uh, we do have our, our endgame questionnaire. Okay. Um, ready to go. Um, it, it's, it's less less about the game, more about you, uh, you know, personally, uh, your likes and dislikes as far as um, the the gaming consciousness goes. We'll put it like that. Um, so first question, um, we start off we start off with the easy ones, and they're not they're all not really easy. Uh, so first question is. Um, who is your favorite um, video game protagonist?
1: Hmm, I uh, think about that one. Um, uh, let's see. I guess Duke Nukem probably. Okay. Okay. Nice. Excellent. That's a, oh, excellent. That's a
2: first. Right? I like it. Side side question: Would uh, which which is your favorite Duke Nukem game?
1: Um. Wow, I'd probably say Duke Nukem 3D because I played it the most and had the most fun with it. Um, the although I I can't ignore the fun I had playing the 2D versions that came before it, but I'd mm-hmm. say yeah, Duke Nukem 3D was probably my favorite.
2: Excellent. Did you did you take the
1: dive into Forever? Yes, I did, and I I, I knew that everyone said it was um you know not not as good, and mm-hmm. but you know as a diehard Duke fan, I I just wanted to do it. So I, you know, took the plunge, and I thought, well, they're right to an extent, but I'm still glad I bought it. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So you don't regret it at all? No. Uh, that's good. Do you think, given
2: the property and Gearbox saying that they that Duke's not dead, that that there is, they can do something um, new with Duke in the future? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Question number two. I'm um, flipping the corn on that one. Who is your favorite video game
1: antagonist? Hmm. That would be, let's see. I'm thinking. So lots of games over the years and I'm just trying to think of one. I mean, it's, I'm having to go back all the way to the old Atari games. Um, Ah, you got me there. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of um, some kind of cool villains uh, from the games I played, and I guess I guess the fact that none are coming to mind right away, and maybe says something about what I think of video game villains.
2: Uh, so there, you know, there's there's a there's a there's not a a great amount of of, of worthy of worthy villains. There's some that are out there. Mm-hmm. There's some that are there, but there's definitely, you know, like the, the best ones tend to be the ones that are that are off-repeated um, just because there's – it's not that they're, they're few and far between. It's just the great ones are so great that they make the other ones look kind of like just bland in comparison.
1: Hmm. Well, I guess the only one I can kind of think of that even – and this is probably not um, the best that I can come up with – probably be um, – this is from the Ultima series – um, would be the the enemy who I think this he appeared in Ultima Seven. Uh, he was the antagonist for the, I believe seven through nine. Um, and I can't think of his name, but he was he was the evil force that tried to uh, stop the <laughs> avatar in his, in his path at every turn. So I just can't remember his name.
2: Wow! Through three whole games.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, seven, eight, and nine. Uh, he was the. Um, I have, may have to Just look it up. <laughs> Yeah, the Go guardian. because it, that's yeah, it's, a... it's the uh, yeah he's the guardian and basically he sort of tracks the 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 avatar character you know the avatar is like all the forces of good and the um, guardians the forces of evil and he wants to you know in seven he tried to he tries to do some bad things and the and the avatar stops him so the guardian in throws him into um, ultimate eight and like the land of pagan where there's no avatar concept there. Um, but it was a bit of an arcade game, so I kind of preferred seven and nine more. And nine was the final showdown between the two, hmm. so that was pretty cool. Um, but otherwise, as far as villains, I just—I'm sure I'll come up with a good one after our interview's over. But oh, of course, until then, that one, that's, that's know, what if, I got
2: if that's the one that sticks to you, if that's the one that comes with, it, I think that's that's your answer. That's the one you got to go with. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, question number three: um, Is there anything going on in video games today? Any kind of like um, uh, trend? Uh, that you would like to see kind of grow and uh, and proliferate more than it already is. Hmm. Well, outside of the love of pinball.
1: Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> that's that's a tough one because you know for a while for the longest time I've always liked you know indie developers watching the very small studios rise to to prominence and mm-hmm. but we've seen a lot of that um it's almost enough to to make me you know say hey triple a's you better keep up with these guys but they're they're all triple a's are also coming up with a lot of impressive work so um i guess trending goes um like it'd be nice to see some some really real competition against uh world of warcraft um that's probably incredibly difficult but um it's not impossible um I guess maybe more competition toward the best prominent AAA games. Uh, Maybe some new (laughs) uh, uh, MOBAs. Um, uh, uh, Things more like, uh, I know we got League of Legends and and Dota and all, but maybe some more innovative ones that go in new directions. Um, Maybe, I know there was a uh, a mod for StarCraft II called uh, Minerals. I really like that as a tower defense game. Um, okay. Kind of more innovation, more creative tower defense games, uh, more multiplayer games, um, and multiplayer as in both console and online. Um, I know that networking is difficult to do, and I, I've written network <laughs> games too, so and it's a very difficult thing to grasp. And but but the development tools are making it easier on developers, and if they can get the fundamentals down, I, I would like to see more um, network games, like more LAN party games. Um, I know. Mm-hmm. You know, Back in the days, LAN parties were the way you would play games with friends, and you all hook up your computers on the same network, and or even in some rare cases, serial cables, uh, before the internet came to be what it is now. But now everyone can play those games at home. It's you know, over the internet. Connection speeds are excellent. But still, there's just the fun of LAN parties, and, and uh, just everyone being there, and just having soda and pizza, and just having a great time, everyone shouting at each other. Um, without headsets, necessarily. Um, maybe more Lampard. Totally companies. without headsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are
2: many, many hours uh, spent with uh, Diablo and a group of friends. And just, <laughs> oh my god, what did you get? And run over there. And then, oh, oh gosh, we're all going to die. And then, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, beyond that, I guess um, just... The, the, the genres that work, um, just maybe putting them in new directions, and maybe even new genres, I mean, you know, nobody... There wasn't a big clamoring for Minecraft before Minecraft, and there wasn't a big clamoring for other... Like uh, Counter-Strike before Counter-Strike, and you know, I'd like to see, you know, some new, really ingenious stuff, and, and ones that, that uh, don't get buried by all the other gaming news. I mean, there's plenty of indies out there who probably would have a big hit on their hands if they could just get pushed they can just push and get that attention that they, that they've earned and or deserve. Um, So yeah, that's just, that's kind of, that's just what I'm thinking there.
2: And I, speaking of counter-strike, and this is just a weird aside because I go down uh, really odd rabbit holes with Twitch streaming. Sometimes um, there is a surprising amount of people who watch competitive counter-strike. I want to say that they just got finished with a, a tournament in Dubai, uh, last week and there were over like i want to say at its peak there were over about 200,000 people that had tuned into the stream that's that... insane for a game that is has been updated but is still like like almost exactly what it was um when it when it first came out
1: yeah i wonder if there are any games that, were, that are designed to be streamed to for, to have viewers i wonder if that's a direction or uh, um a genre that that can come from this um sure. I wonder. I don't know. I have no ideas offhand, but <clears throat> maybe leveraging these new technologies. And of course, I didn't mention anything about I, you know, Oculus, and I'm sure there's going to be some really ingenious games that come out that require the uh, the headsets. Um, so, but I haven't really been keeping track. I'm sure those, there are many of them already out there. I haven't really been keeping track of that. But um, yeah, there's yeah, keeping using the new technologies and going in new directions with, with genres that work.
2: That, that makes, makes nice. sense to me. That sounds that sounds fantastic. I'm um, flipping the coin for question number four. Um, is there anything you'd like to just see go away?
1: Um, hmm. Can't go away. Um. um hmm. I, I guess I would. <laughs> I would. I would lean towards saying. Um, I'd say pixel games, to be honest. But I won't there a say lot of it, I won't say it outright because I think pixel games are a great way to get started in game development and they uh, as opposed to very high fidelity art and I mean everyone it seems like I started with you know, pixel games myself and um, it's just that there's so many of them out there um, yeah. that so I mean it's everyone go you know have had it, but maybe kind of grow beyond that too mm-hmm. um, Other than that, I guess games that um oh uh, i guess games that have advertising in them that don't meld with the game i mean like i'm not against like race in a racing car game where i see you know ads for products for, for real life but if the game has to pause and show ads before continuing and this is really more on the mobile side um you know ga- when ads become disruptive to the game uh, I would like to see a bit less of that. Um, Though the exception there, again, is when, when studios come up with very clever ways to put ads in where you, you don't mind that they're there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I guess that would be one thing. Um, other than that, um, I guess I can't really think of too much. Um, although, other than maybe a reliance for releasing a game before it's done is the other yes. thing that kind of that kind of gets me... Um, you know, again, early access, uh, that's, I, I've never done that myself and I can see how it can work. It's just, I would like to get a game when it's done. Uh, And again, no one's forcing anyone to buy early access. It's just, um, and I think
2: early access itself is kind of a, it's almost kind of a special case because in that case, you're buying something that you know is not finished. (laughs) Right.
1: And that, that is part of the, that's part of what's going on up front. Yeah, Um, and, Mm-hmm. And, and with that it is also the you know you, you um your your model is is to release it, knowing that you can just patch it you know if bugs come up um and I know lots of games you know before they had the luxury of of just auto patching they had to be right the first time yep. um now now I know that there's a lot of pressures you know to get, get the game out and from investors to to get their game out to make money and all that i I understand that it's just um and and I'm kind of in the same boat too i i'm even i know full well that there's going to be issues when I release pinball. But I need to jump on them uh, when, when it does happen. Uh, I don't really mean to release it with issues, even though I'm trying to fight one right now with, with one person where it's running slow. But mm-hmm. I, I don't want patching to become part of the norm in um, uh, in, in just release planning. I don't, I don't want to release a game knowing there's going to be certain... Showstoppers in it. I mean, I guess if, if there's like a, a fluke that I mean, it happens to be one, one in 10,000 computers or once in a thousand times that nobody can duplicate it, okay, I get that. But, you know, saying, well, we still have these many bugs left. We can just ship it, and we'll just fix them in the next patch. Um, with the two-gigabyte patch, then we'll be fine. Right. So, you know, actually, on that note, I'd like to see more... Um, more inroads for, for beta testing. I know there's some sites are out there dedicated to connecting uh, developers with beta testers, but I'd like to see more of that. Um, I can't think of any super major site where everyone goes. Then again, I don't really know how those logistics would work because every game has their own um, demands for beta testing and setup. So yeah, it's kind of wishful thinking. Just sort of a uh, once I'm ready to have my game baited, I'll go to thiswebsite.com and they'll help me do the rest, no matter what kind, what game I have. And then it's also convincing people, you know, finding people that are actually, that
2: actually want to to beta test in the real sense of the word beta test and not the, like, protract, you know, like, like, like pre preview uh, that beta test has kind of become today, Hmm. especially with their, you know, like the releases on consoles and that kind of thing.
1: And also a system where we could reward the good testers uh like for i believe it was hamster chase i got I went to a website and uh, set up an account for beta test for getting testers and I got a few connected to my game and and the ones who there were a three there were maybe ten testers and three of them gave me really good feedback in fact, I was so happy with their they gave me like they reported show stoppers and things that would have ruined the release. I was so happy with them that uh, I gave them i think I gave them Amazon gift cards. And they were very happy back, and that kind of motivated them to do a little more extra testing. And and uh, they felt good that they were rewarded for all their, their hard work. And I was happy to reward them. So uh, maybe sure, incentives sure. like, but I know incentives can be difficult by themselves. So
2: yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh, so you're you're kind of for the next <clears throat> for the next question, you're kind of living this. Um this real neat dream where you're you're kind of you know you're you're programming you're doing that for a day job and then you're you're kind of making games um on the side um for yourself and then getting them out there for people um if it came down to it, is there anything else um you know barring like any kind of restrictions any other kind of dream job that
1: you'd love to to chase after um well, I can have it well. Other than programming I'd say a distant second would be meteorology uh, Maybe web be a weather forecaster maybe you want to be on the team that figures out how tornadoes and hurricanes work It'd be nice those are um, awesome teams yeah just maybe maybe I can come up with maybe I can come up with a perspective on it that they never thought of which <laughs> just didn't mean wishful thinking there but um, mathematical models and things that can uh, you know better predict them and, and plus I love watching the, the weather in action so that'd be kind of my uh, second choice I'd say.
2: Uh, rarely is a thing more exciting than being in front of being in the middle of the National Hurricane Center when they are tracking a storm that is coming straight towards them. Mm-hmm. Having lived in Miami and gone to FIU and actually been in the uh, uh, the uh, the NOAA, like as they're kind of reporting and, and letting people know what's going on, that is a really cool thing. So mm-hmm. that that's the. Uh, hearing the meteorology there that's kind of cool well
1: i was in sarasota when hurricane charlie um was barreling to florida and as you know the, the days before it, it came near the coast you know the track was coming closer to us i'm like all right we're gonna get a hurricane but then by the time it became a cat four yeah you like was, oh, okay and, and yeah. we were dead in the in the eye path, path of the eye i'm like this isn't fun anymore yeah, Nope. Uh, <laughs> that that's that's the day the hurricane party stops being fun
2: yeah yeah totally Totally uh, next question is is our is, is kind of our uh, kind of our, our standing weird question um, and I only say that because I, I can never quite decide how I want to get this out um, of my uh, uh, jumbled word spread it would probably help if I wrote it down and tried to, to do it that way but that's that's no fun um, uh, so if if you could revisit a game for the first time uh, play it with a new set of eyes um, what game would it be
1: hmm uh you know the first one that came to mind was Ultima 9 because when I first played it the the, the first person 3D um role playing game world was such a new concept well it had been done that way that, that I've seen at the time and I was just like, you know, jaw, wide, you know, jaw drops, you know, through half the game because of the amazing graphics, gameplay, and the concepts. I'm um, curious to play it over again today um, with the same with the same game with current hardware in you know in the in the mix of all the other games that are now more advanced than that, and see what I think about it. I'm, I may think this is a terrible-looking game with a lot of bugs or. I wonder if I actually would think that today or if I would look at it and still have a lot of awe and fun with it like I did the first time. (laughs) Nice.
0: Uh, Just randomly, um, have you heard about Underworld Ascension, Chris? Uh,
1: Underworld Ascension, it rings a bell. Uh,
0: Uh, It's from uh, a number of the creators of Ultima. They they did a Kickstarter for it like a year ago and, and ended up getting funded. Oh. Uh, and it's they're they're trying to make a uh, you know a first person RPG that has all the kind of like crazy interactability of uh, you know that you come to expect from a, an Ultima game. Mm-hmm. Um, it it sounds kind of interesting. They they've been doing uh, a number of different posts, kind of talking about how um, just making different elements of the world like lava react with the rest of the world instead of just being kind of this static thing that if you get too close to it it hurts you but it actually you know affects the world and, and the way your magic affects the world and, and stuff like that it's that, that sounds awesome interesting
1: yeah and actually i think i know why this rings a bell now i think underworld i feel like back in the old days when, you, when most people bought their games off the shelf i feel like next to the ultimate boxes there was a box for underworld is kind of it was sort of a kind of a side thing that uh, um, Richard Garriott worked that I think he was involved in, um, and I, I didn't remember being excited about buying it because I just wanted the, the Ultima series, um, <laughs> but I feel like I've seen that on a box a long time ago.
0: Nice, um, but uh, but yeah, not uh, all right. Maybe that's something for you to just check out as, as far as you know personal interests go. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
2: Brian, yeah, questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. That was great. Um, so, last question. Um, at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is there uh, with the Book of Our Deeds, is there anything you'd like him to, uh, to tell you before he, he lets you inside?
1: For him to tell me? Yep. Hmm. Anything you'd um, like to hear him say before you get I to I don't go? know. What, maybe what was my final score? um uh...
0: Hmm. <laughs> oh, that's good
1: I like that <laughs> we, I like and, that did, did, I, and did I beat my friend's scores too or <laughs> I <swear> you, <laughs> you want to go and you want to see a leaderboard that, yeah. that I could appreciate totally
2: okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice that would be fantastic alright well that's it you passed um, it, I'd like to tell you a final score but unfortunately we don't actually assign number values to this because they wouldn't count for anything anyway
1: that's okay I'm going um, to get a lot of heat about, about the pixel games but yeah no, <laughs> that's fine
2: it, you said what a bunch of other people were thinking and honestly there's you You also backed it up with the fact that not only did you start there um, but it's good to grow from there and I think and there that, are, counts, for, that yeah. counts for everybody yeah and there's a lot of fun ones out there too So oh absolutely <laughs> Absolutely, and there's a lot of different like like variations of the pixel theme, Mm -hmm. especially when you go so you know you kind of look at all the stuff that like Vlambeer does, um, and then you can kind of go all the way back to what uh uh, what uh, oh man, what's the studio that's working on below? Um, PopCap. Yeah, Uh, no, not PopCap. The Cappy Games. Yeah, Cappy Cappy Bar. Yeah, yeah, Cappy
1: Bar. Yeah, and those guys
2: do some crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, I have a soft spot in my heart for um, for like you know, Commander Keen and Joel the Jungle from the old days and and uh, obviously the Mario series as well. And any game where a health pickup is a Coke can uh, or a turkey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
2: That covers a surprisingly wide swath of games, too, which is nice. Excellent. Yes. Uh, but that's it, man. Thank you very much. Jonathan, take us home.
0: I just realized that PopCap and Cappy Games aren't the same
2: company. Two totally, completely different companies. Oh, my God. Yeah, that make wildly different games. I was always so confused. (laughs) Like, sometimes
0: people were happy. Sometimes people were mad when a new game was coming out. It's because they're different
2: studios. Totally different. Yep, wildly different.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, Chris... Thank you so much for joining us tonight at, uh, on this wonderful night of Revelation. Um, if you could uh, send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Hyperspace Pinball.
1: Sure. Uh, they can just go to hyperspacepinball.com. That will take them straight to the Steam store page. Uh, there's screenshots there, and, and they uh, have a quick, quick video there if you want to check that out. Um, that's probably the main place um, otherwise you can go to gamian.com and, and uh, see other things about it as well as uh, the other games I've worked on both released and the prototype, the many prototypes that I've never finished but they look nice um, so yeah I'd say those are the two main places to go and uh, please follow me on Twitter Uh, Especially if you plan on buying the game, because I will announce uh, make announcements there, like bug fixes and and other things as well. Uh, I'm just gaming. It's uh, Twitter. Uh, My account is just Gamian, and just follow me, and uh, I'll be nice to have you following.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you again, and have a good night. You too.